and welcome to Logical, the regular weekly podcast from the Dubai-based law firm HPL Yamalaba and Pleska, still the Gulf region's first and the only legal podcast. I'm Tim Elliott. I'm here at the firm's offices. We're on the 18th floor of Reef Tower in Jumeirah Lakes Towers here in Dubai. And here is the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalaba. Lovely to see you. Good to see you too. And thanks for being back in our office. Always a pleasure to see you. Now, each week we consider legal questions particular to the United Arab Emirates. In this edition, Ludmilla, it's a discussion about the domestic workers law here in the Emirates. And what I want to do is start with a recent case, a properly licensed domestic workers recruitment agency. Now, There's a complaint. Somebody's unhappy with a worker from this agency that's been assigned to them. A complaint's made about the worker to the appropriate individuals at one of the agency's branches. They inform the client that they're going to deduct from the maid's salary and punish her. It's a complaint we hear regularly, isn't it? Yes, indeed. And in fact, this is um, just one of the latest examples of this particular complaint, uh, but it's um, permeated uh, this this industry for many years. And that is, in particular, the maids or domestic workers' concern that their agency will punish them for perhaps either not doing a good enough job for their employer or for perhaps being returned back to the agency earlier than they were contractually expected to be returned. Uh, So the permeating fear has been that they will be penalized by virtue of the agency subtracting part of their salary. What we've heard in the past, and and the concern has been fairly consistent, is that every time something like this happens, uh, they are uh, subtract. The agency subtracts about 500 dirhams off their uh, off their salaries. Now, in on average, from what we've um, surmised, is that the salary of domestic workers that are employed by agencies are about 1,500 dirhams uh, to perhaps, uh, I mean, we haven't actually seen or heard any higher salaries, but maybe up to 2,000 dirhams. But generally, it's about 1,500 dirhams. So 500 dirhams to be subtracted from a salary of 1,500 dirhams, you can imagine, is fairly significant. Mm. And that's apparently for every violation. Uh, So, for example, if you have, um, if you have, contracted a worker from the agency and um, perhaps she worked for you for about a week and you're not happy with uh, with her services and so you, you the agency does offer you a choice of exchanging that worker for someone else so every time you return the worker they will allegedly they subtract 500 dirhams from that worker now imagine if that same worker then is being contracted by another family a week later and the same thing happens, and that is the family returns the worker earlier than expected. Once again, the agency would subtract another 500 dirhams. Again, this is on the basis of many statements we heard from a um, lot of different uh, domestic workers. So in theory, that worker at the end of the month may receive nothing if every time for every return or every um, or every. Um, in compliance, if you will, they are deducted 500 dirhams from their 1,500 dirham salary. What I want to do is come back to this particular case in a little bit more example in a minute, but let's just look at protection that domestic workers are afforded under the domestic workers law. And it is specifically part of UAE law. It's a federal law. Number 15 of 2017 is a recent update and that's for support service workers but just run us through 
the provisions under that law? Well, this is actually a very interesting law, only because it's actually it's quite uh, new. Uh, as you rightfully mentioned, it was issued in 2017. And just to give uh, the perspective of um, what that means, it's, it's important to compare this particular law to the UAE federal employment law or labor law, as it is often referred, which has been in existence since the 80s. And in fact, until this law was introduced, uh, the, um, the, the labor law that has been in existence did not apply to the service workers or to the domestic workers. So in fact, the labor law explicitly states that it does not apply to domestic workers. So therefore, until the this domestic workers law was introduced, there was no specific body of law that applied to domestic workers. Now, how were they ever, I guess, measured or um, or held accountable or protected uh, if there was no law. And in fact, there wasn't really a specific uh, legislative guideline uh, as to um, what the, the rights and benefits that were afforded to the domestic workers. In fact, most of the conditions of their employment would only be uh, detailed in their employment contracts. And so there was no law in addition to whatever was the text in the particular employment contract. And so now, with the introduction of the uh, of this uh, federal law number 15, 2017, uh, domestic workers are now more or less being brought on par with the terms and conditions and rights and obligations that are afforded to other employment uh, or other workers under the UAE employment law. Uh, so, in in short, uh, the rights that are afforded to domestic workers are very similar to those that are afforded to employment or to regular workers under the UAE labor law. And what that means in more specific terms is that, for example, now domestic workers are by law allowed or not allowed are obligated or the employers are obligated to give domestic workers 30 days of vacation a year. So now this is set by law. Also, the payment of the salary is set by law and that the payment of that salary cannot be uh, delayed for more than 10 days. And that was always, in the, in the past, that had been an issue because often domestic workers would not be paid on time. And in the past, one of the excuses had been, had been used that, well, we will pay you when you go back home. Yeah. And until then, we don't want to pay you because you may lose your money. I mean, these are actually real, real arguments we've, um, we've heard before. Uh, so under this law, the domestic workers are entitled to receive their salary no more than 10 days after the salary is due. Uh, they're also entitled to uh, go back home uh, at least uh, every, um, every year. However, they can opt for uh, a payment of uh, salary in lieu of going back home uh, for that particular year, but they may not opt for this for more than two years in a row. In other words, you as an employer cannot ask your domestic worker, let's say you're a nanny, to not go home for more than two years. One year is okay, but no more than two years. So after the second year, they're obliga you are obligated as an employer to give them their time to go back home. And then as an employer, you're also obligated to pay them for the air ticket to go home. But it's the air ticket, by the way, is only uh, offered for every two years of, um, of going back home, not every year. Um, how obviously, the employers can include other or additional benefits in the employment agreement in addition to the law, but this law sets the benchmark or the floor, if you will, of what is the, what are the minimum standards that uh, that are 
that, that exist for domestic workers. Uh, also, now domestic workers are allowed to have sick days and um, a one day off um, a week. And uh, more importantly, more interestingly, is that now domestic workers are specifically entitled to what's called the end of service benefits, and that is uh, in a short 14 days for every year of service. So let's say I've had a nanny that's worked for me for three years. In the last three years, uh, she, um, she doesn't have to take the 14, I don't have to pay her out the 14 days every time, but they accrue. Um, so I have a choice to either pay her 14 days for every year of service, and that is by now it's 14 times three, And so I can either pay it her pay her the 14 days at the end of every contract, or I can pay it to her um, in aggregate after um, you know, after after I guess for however many years of employment with uh, with us. Okay. So those are some of the benefits, and and in short, these are, these kinds of benefits and rights are very similar to those that exist for uh, for other employees uh, that are subject to the labor law. And there's a medical insurance benefit in there, written into the law as well, is there not? Uh, yes, and the medical insurance, uh, there's medical insurance that's written in the law, but also the medical insurance these days is also incorporated in practice. And that is whenever you apply for your domestic uh, workers visa, right. you cannot apply for a visa unless you, you submit to the government evidence of health insurance. So yes, insurance is definitely also a benefit that's um, um, that that they're up, that they're entitled to by law. Okay, so let's bring it back to the original case that we started this podcast with. Um, you've heard several other people say that workers told them that if they send them back to their agency, the agency deducts from salaries perhaps as much as 500 dirhams a time. So it's common practice, but that's not compliant with the law. What does the law say about? permitted salary deductions. Does it say anything about that? Well, there is a specific provision that uh, that deals with employers' uh, right to potentially deduct part of employees' salary. Right. However, this provision is very specific and it's very limited, and there are a few important elements. One is that the deductions can only be um, Uh, it can only be done if there is um, a serious harm or damage to the to the employer's property. Uh, so first of all, it has to be has to be some sort of physical damage, right. and uh, that that's one. Two, uh, the deduction has to be agreed with the employee, i.e., the domestic worker herself or himself. So consent. Uh, there has to be consent, right. correct. And there, if there's no consent, there has to be the deduction has to be agreed through the ministry, and that is the governing authority that um, that oversees these uh, recruitment agencies and therefore has jurisdiction over the domestic workers. And then, in any event, deductions cannot be more than one fourth of the uh, of the monthly salary. So, in the case of a nanny, let's say that receives 1,500 dirham salary from her agency. 500 dirhams is one third of her salary, which is above the legal, uh, the legal threshold of the deduction, and that is provided that there is consent from the nanny, or from the domestic worker. In most cases, I um, we we've, I guess we've never really heard of uh, domestic workers agreeing uh, to the deductions, or at least in writing. Uh, so um, though there it it. Very possible. It's very possible that there may be a document that the agency requires uh, their employees to sign as proof. Uh, but in any event, it cannot be more than one fourth of the salary. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not to say that all domestic worker recruitment agencies are unreasonable, but a definition of consent would be a good thing to have, uh, I guess. Well, yes, and also don't forget, there has to also be some sort of harm. So there has to be yeah. proof of some kind of damage. So in the example that we started with, where the the employee is being returned to the agency because the, um, the, the employer was not happy with their services. Well, mm. not being happy with somebody's services, does that equate to physical harm or physical damage to property, the employer's property, as the law requires? It doesn't. I mean, you could, I guess, argue that somehow the time that went in and the resources that were spent in, in bringing this person to their new home and trying to train them, perhaps, but this is not what the law says. The law clearly requires some kind of physical damage to employers property and obviously one's time and resources are not so much to the property in the sense of the law sure i mean dropping a few plates for example you can understand that's a relatively easy deduction to make but dropping a ming vase is an entirely different example surely Exactly. Ah, but also I forgot a, a, very, a very important element, and that is that whenever the damage happens, the damage has to be because of, uh, of the worker's uh, mistake. Right. Okay, or gross negligence, for example. So it's not just that accidentally you drop a plate and right away there is a deduction uh, for the value of that plate. So it actually has to be uh, done by, by, by virtue of uh, the worker's either incompetence or mistake. And you can understand that's a pretty reasonable, uh, that's a pretty reasonable requirement element, especially given the nature of, 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 the, of the domestic worker's role in the household. And that means they will be dealing with plates and, and uh, fragile uh, items and so if every time you punish them because they've ruined that piece of clothing and accidentally I mean it would be very difficult uh, for them to survive. In the event that domestic services received weren't good enough or damage was caused in some ways you've outlined the agency in question did they have to offer a refund irrespective of whether a maid or a domestic worker has had pay docked. Do they have to then say to their client, we will pay you? How, how is that policed? Well, there isn't really anything in the law that uh, affords that sort of protection to the employer. Uh, perhaps there is there could be insurance claims, but that's not really um, covered in this particular law because the law here really sets out more the rights and obligations of domestic workers and the agency that employs them, and not so much the so the third party, uh, i.e., the employer, the ultimate employer that um, then contracts uh, the domestic worker. Okay, well let's bring it back to the domestic worker. Final uh, question: Who is in charge of monitoring? salary deductions and the application of the law. In effect, who polices the recruitment agency? In short, it's the Ministry of Amortization and Human Resources, or as before it was uh, named, uh, Ministry of uh, Ministry of Labor. Right. Uh, so the, ultimately, they are the ultimate authority that can police and, and li police uh, 
compliance uh, with their applicable laws and also licenses uh, agencies uh, that provide these kinds of services. Now, why it's important, this particular uh, question, I guess, and the answer to the question is important is because uh, as of now, as with the introduction of this law, domestic workers are now subject to uh, the, um, or I guess, fall under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Emeritization and Human Resources, one, and two, and by virtue of that, they also, if there is a dispute, the ultimate uh, uh, forum where the disputes will be uh, adjudicated is the labor court. Uh, previously, uh, employees, domestic workers, before the introduction of this law, they were not subject to the jurisdiction of uh, the Ministry of Labor, and therefore, if they ever had a complaint and they wanted to go file a case with uh, with the court, uh, the court requires some kind of an NOC or no objection certificate or transfer letter from the ministry, i.e. the Ministry of Labor, when you're not subject to the Ministry of Labor, so you couldn't even really bring a case to the court because you didn't have the appropriate administrative document that would allow you to bring a, a court case uh, for, for an employment dispute. Uh, so previously, most domestic workers, for example, would have to address their disputes to immigration authorities because that's mm -hmm. really the only authority that they were somewhat subject to because their, their immigration authority would be the one who would ultimately issue their licenses. But um, with the introduction of this law, they're now subject to the Ministry of Labor, just like the rest of the employees in the UAE, and all the disputes will ultimately be referred to the Labor Court, again, just as the cases uh, with um, other employees. And by the way, re regarding the deductions, that particular provision in the domestic workers' law is a very similar provision that exists in the Labor court allowing employers in other contexts for uh, to to, um, uh, to do deductions or to deduct employee salaries under the same elements. Ludmilla, final, 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 final point. Let's just summarize, if you would, the support service workers law. Federal law number 15 of 2017. Uh, well, in um, brief summary, it's a good law. It's a good law that affords domestic workers very similar protection and rights as uh, th uh, those that are afforded to other employees. And in more specific terms, uh, workers are specifically allowed uh, for uh, a 30-day holiday per year and a visit home, uh, a ticket uh, paid uh, to visit their family every two years. Uh, they're also offered end of service benefits, which are about 14 days uh, for every year of service. Um, there's, there are always also provisions in the law about the number of hours um, that they are entitled to have for their, to, to rest, and that's um, at least 12 hours and consecutively no less than eight hours. Uh, which is important because we've heard a lot of complaints in the past of workers being required to work 24-7. In many, mm. many cases, mm. there are also anti-discriminatory provisions in the law, uh, which uh, expressly uh, require for employers and agencies to treat workers with respect. Uh, there are also um, there are provisions for the requiring agencies and employers to pay for workers' visas expenses and not to deduct those from workers. And this is, again, a, a new provision. Uh, and uh, there are also a number of provisions uh, setting out appropriate conditions for housing and food allowance and just overall treatment of the domestic workers. So all in all, great uh, legislative development. That's federal law number 15 of 2017 on support service workers. Ludmilla Yamalova is the managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm Yamalova and Plethka as ever, Ludmilla. Appreciate your legal expertise.
And thank you for an engaging discussion. That's it for Logical this time around. We can't cover every aspect of the UAE's legal framework in each episode of this particular podcast, but if you have a specific question you'd like answered, get in touch via lylawyers.com or through any of our social channels, and we'll try to answer it in a future edition of Logical. Plus, for a legal consultation, lylawyers.com is once again the best place to go. All you need to do is hit contact.